Hi, everyone. It's Kaylee. Just a really quick reminder, if you didn't listen to our last mini episode of sorts, that we recorded this episode thinking it would be the first thing we released in 2021. And so it's going to have some inaccuracies, so to speak, when it comes to like timeline. So just heads up there. Thanks. The book was better. Happy New Year. <laughs> we made it through 2020, everybody. Bye, it's 2020. Over. We don't miss you. No, we don't. The irony of this being that we're still in 2020 when we're recording this. <laughs> but listen, it's it's the hopes, right? The hopes that 2021 will be a better year. And, you know, hopefully we, we, we can get back to a, a sense of normalcy, at least a little bit. Now that, so. you know, vaccines for COVID are, are starting to be released and ordered and, you know, there's, there's, there's hope for the future. Yes. And goodbye 2020. We will not miss you. Though I guess there will be some fondness in the sense that it did give us the time, reasoning, I don't know. To start this podcast, so... True. It will always be the birth year of The Book Was Better. <laughs> and what a year it was. Yes. Okay. Well, um, we hope everybody had a happy new year and a safe new year, as well as Christmas and all other holiday shenanigans. Yep. I think they're, they're shenanigans. Hopefully not too um, many shenanigans. No, because again, COVID, we are not <laughs> among a pandemic. Like. Yes. Um, but anyway, um, today we are talking about... Wait, 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 wait. We're really bad at this. Hi, welcome to the Book Was Better oh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we really I, We always forget. I'm Taylor Collette. I'm Kaylee Clark, and this is a podcast where we basically just really rip into the movie adaptations of popular books. <laughs> yeah, we always forget to introduce the podcast, and I realize, for all we know, some people, this could be their first episode. If it is, welcome. Please stay. <laughs> Maybe, you know, Harry Potter wasn't your jam, and you I just get it. waited it out or skipped it entirely. It's fine. It's cool. You're still welcome here. It's fine. Because today we are doing a new series. We are starting a new one. We are going to be talking about The Hunger Games. New year, new series. And, you know, really embodying that hopefully this year the odds will be in all of our favors. <laughs> oh, I certainly hope so. <laughs> they certainly weren't last year, so. Yes. Um, but it's um, also a lesson we dive into that. It's a lesson that what? things could be worse. True, true. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> mm, yes. And um, could also be better, but, you know, mm. <laughs> depends. Are you a half glass, half full or empty kind of person? Yes. Um, 
Anyway, I guess before we really get into it too much, um, are there any other things that we need to talk about or bring up uh, since our last? The ever prevalent reminder that we have social media things and you should go follow us and interact with us because... The thing about podcasts we like <laughs> is we don't really get your feedback on here. I mean, you, it's not like they have comments on Spotify or anything like that. And so it's really great when you go onto our Instagram or Facebook or whatever and comment or just let us know. Send us a message about what you thought about the episode or what books you want us to do in the future or anything like that. Uh, we're constantly posting new things there and asking questions. That's where Which we get all our... reminds me, actually, that um, we do... I do want to apologize. Um, when we sent out the, like, question for fan faux pas for the Hunger Games, we weren't great about letting everybody know that we were doing the Hunger Games next so that people could reread the book or watch the movie again or whatnot if they wanted to before responding and marley let us know like don't do that again really give anybody enough head heads up and so we're really sorry about that um it's when that's we start the problem getting to the <laughs> with recording in advance yeah. we record in advance and at the end of our episodes we say hey we're doing this next but because we record in advance we ask for fan faux pause in advanced so we, we need obviously, to do better about that. And I'm in sorry. the Christmas episode, we say we're doing the Hunger Games next, but we haven't even reached Christmas yet when we're recording this. So we're learning. We're getting there. Thank you for helping us to be better. <laughs> yes. And so and that's the kind of feedback, right? Like that was helpful. That was good feedback. So before we finish recording the Hunger Games episodes, when we figure out whatever we're going to do next, we'll let you guys know. We will make a post sooner. to say what's coming. And we'll let you know. Yeah. Prepare yourselves, all that. But um, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Pinterest, TikTok, Twitter, and... Basically everything. The, whatever else there is, YouTube, under at TBWB Podcast podcast <laughs> one more time <laughs> tbwb podcast um across all the things so mm -hmm. please and um if it's not already very well known sorry i just heard my cats jump into my christmas tree <laughs> and i'm hoping it's still standing by the time we're done with this um but um uh, if it hasn't already been made clear we do record this virtually right we, we live in different places however we were fortunate enough to be able to record um part two of the harry potter seventh book movie thing in person so that's up on youtube so it's not going to be like an every episode thing but if you are one of those people that like to watch people like a lot of podcasts i know they have a video format as well and again, that's not going to be a steady thing with us, but however, it I'll will put it happen. out there into the universe. If you would like us to do more consistent video things, we are willing to figure out how to do it over a Zoom call or whatever. 
So if you yeah. really enjoy the visual format, if you like having it on your like your TV in the background while you clean or do laundry, I know I personally love watching podcasts, even though I'm only like half paying attention. It's nice to like see the faces and see the the hand gestures. Yeah. And we both really talk with our hands. So, <laughs> so I'm going to I mean, we'll ask on social media as well, for sure, after our Christmas episode. But if you want to see more uh, video content or even just like other content besides just the regular podcasts let us know let us know what you want to see what you enjoy more about the podcast um what you'd like to see more on social media anything like that we love the feedback very much yes not to mention that it does help us improve as podcasters and it also helps get our name out there for us to be discovered by new listeners um which is also really helpful. So mm -hmm. anyway, now we will go into The Hunger Games by Suzanne Collins. <laughs> so um, like I do every time, right? The Hunger Games, the book was written by Suzanne Collins. The movie was directed by Gary Ross. And the screenplay, interestingly enough, because all of our experience so far, right, has basically been... Harry Potter, <laughs> yes. where each movie had one screenplay writer or at least one screenplay writer like listed. Um, the Hunger Games has three. Gary Ross, who was the director, he also helped with the screenplay, as well as Billy Ray and Suzanne Collins herself. And I, I, I just think it's interesting to note that she didn't just sign over the rights to her book without, I think, saying like, but I get partial say in how this goes down <laughs> which i think was very smart on her part oh yeah for but sure but it also makes me a bit more harsh of the movie adaptation because i'm like that as well she was right there with it <laughs> but i can imagine that that would be hard yes. as the author you know Everything that made it into her book, she felt like it was important enough to make it into the published version, right? Yeah. And then knowing you can't include everything in the movie and trying to figure out what's most like, I can't, I can't imagine that would be really hard. So, mm. um, but yeah, and then I also just wanted to note uh, the music was James Newton Howard, because I think the music is done very, very well in this movie. Mm -hmm. um, not only the moments where it's there, but also... Their choices of complete silence. Like, I do think that that's a really interesting way. And I, and I, I imagine that's, you know, mostly Gary Ross, the director who, you know, really chose like, no, it, I want silence during this part kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but it was really good. And um, so I really liked that. Yeah. Um, so those are the like main three that, you know, we tend to point out about each movie. Um, and then I'll point out more as needed, if needed. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then just briefly, um, a brief synopsis, if it has been a while since you've read it and or watched it. The Hunger Games is set in like a post- World War Three kind of uh, setting. It's not post-apocalyptic. What's the? It's what's dystopian. The, dystopian. Thank you. I'm like I can't think of the word. Yeah. So it's a, it's it's set in like a dystopian world. Um, it did used to be the United States. 
but now it's called Pan Am and there's like the capital and then 13 districts, which then become 12 districts surrounding the capital because of a war that broke out between the districts and the capital. They now do this thing called the Hunger Games where each district, you know, gives two tributes, one boy, one girl under the age of 18 and over the age of 12 to fight to the death in an arena once every year. And it's horrible. And that's the setting. And that's where we meet our main character, Katniss Everdeen. And the book is in her point of view, which is a different thing than the movie. I don't know if the microphone picked it up, but my cats are meowing because they want to get into my room. But I'm not going to let them because they're loud. <laughs> That'd be a fun um, little anyway. backtrack. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's off the top of my head in my own words. <laughs> synopsis of this first one, The Hunger Games. Um, so, yeah. I think you go first this time. Yes. And before we get into it, just something I wanted to comment on. I haven't reread these books since I want to say high school. Like it's been a hot minute. And I remember really liking them when I first read them. And then I when I I mean, I got like I still enjoyed rereading this one. But I will say mm -hmm. it took me a little bit longer to get into it because one, we had just finished reading these books that were in third person. It's kind of yeah. a stark difference to jump into not just first person, but first person present tense, which isn't. It was it was a hard thing for me as well. It's an interesting choice. But not only that, but because it's first person, you get all of Katniss's 16 year old angst, angst. right there. <laughs> <laughs> and as you know, an adult now, I don't relate to it as much. <laughs> I'm like, well, Chica. And it's, it's, it was especially funny to me just because there's, I mean, you see it, you know, at, at least if you're like kind of like a big book nerd or whatever on Pinterest or on Tumblr or even just like on Facebook, like the memes you'll see, right? There's a lot of these memes and things that make fun of YA tropes. You know, like the, I brush my long brown hair back into a braid and, you know, like Mm -hmm. The way it's always like first person and the way that they have this first person girl describe herself so that, you know, she's pretty, but she doesn't know she's pretty. You know what I mean? And it's like, or it's like right there at the beginning of this book on page like three. She's all like, I climb out of bed and step into my supple leather boots and I pull my long brown hair back into yes. a braid. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, it's real. It happens in published novels. Like, and then there's like the, the towards the beginning, she's talking about like her relationship with her mom. And she's like. I'm not a forgiving person. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> or we're like, she's in total denial about how she's attracted to Gail. <laughs> she's like, I don't have those kind of romantic feelings towards him. But like, if you asked any other girl, then yeah, you could say he's attractive. <laughs> like, it's yeah. just so funny. So it took me, uh, I'm going to say it took me the first But it is very two. fitting, I guess, of a 16-year-old. So. Yeah, when you realize, oh, she's 16. Like, yeah, this is how they would act. <laughs> and once and you I'm can like, accept my thought, that. My thoughts were kind of like that. So. <laughs> oh, that's why when I was 16 and reading this book, I thought it was like the, the best thing ever. Because I was it like, It was nothing Amen. at all, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it took me a couple chapters to get into it. 
But once I, you know, kind of accepted it and was able to move past that, it was actually really fun rereading it. I will say that. It was a fun reread. Mm-hmm. Which I I'm not sure. how much I liked the books, and I think that is because the most recent thing I have experienced is the movies. Yeah. It's been a while since I've read the books, so it was it was fun. Um but now we're going to tear them apart. <laughs> um, it's fine. But mainly we're going to tear apart the movie because, I mean, while the book was dramatic, to say the least, it did kind of get you into the drama at some points and you felt for these characters. Something that I'm not sure I could say the same of with the movie. Like, it was interesting, and it, it's it's still a very well-made movie and an interesting watch, but I don't think it pulls you in as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my first grievance that I want to talk about is that difference of... Your number three grievance, because we do a three, two, one of our uh, It's the first one important. I'm talking about, but it is my number three. <laughs> <laughs> like, just to remind people that that's how we do it. <laughs> that's how we do it, thanks. Um... So, yes, my number three, I guess, is the difference that having it it move from first person in the book to third person essentially in the movies made. And obviously there are movies that can successfully kind of play off a first person movie in a way. Like, obviously, you're not seeing it through their eyes, but you either have like the monologue in the background that they talk about or you have like this overarching storyteller character well, to to give an example that's similar, right, is Twilight mm-hmm. is another first person, I think, present tense written. It might be. I don't know. know. It's, it's been book. a while. <laughs> and in the movie, you do, you kind of have this narration almost of, mm-hmm. from Bella in the background. And the movie is still very much from her point of view. Whereas yes. the Hunger Games, they did they, they they switched the movie to like a third person point of view. Yeah, and so you don't follow Katniss the entire time. They suddenly add in the game makers and Snow and Hamish, yeah. and they add all this stuff in that isn't in the book at all. You don't see any of the behind because the scenes. Because it can't be because it's, it's only Katniss. Person. Yeah, <laughs> which I think you know there's pros and cons to it. I think mm-hmm, the totally. fun of the book when you're stuck with Katniss the whole time is you're figuring things out at the same time she's figuring things out. You know, like when she's like, Mm -hmm. oh, like this is how the games work. You're like, whoa. Whereas in the movie, they like just show you. They're like, here's how the games work. And you're like, okay. (laughs) Well, I will say that one thing I do think they, they do well in the movie Mm -hmm. that's kind of related to that is they use Caesar and who's amazing, by the way. Stanley Tucci oh, is my one goodness. of my favorite I actors love of all time, him. and he does such a good job. But Caesar, and then he's got like a co-anchor person. Yeah. I don't remember what his name was. Mm-hmm. Um, but they act, you know, like commentators for this. Which in the book game, she does the Hunger mention Games is like a game show for basically the people in the Capitol. And Katniss does mention in the book that it does get commentated on. You just don't see it because Katniss doesn't hear it. So it, it so it makes sense, but then I thought that was a clever way of them to include, like a little bit because like in the book, Katniss 
mentally, you know, kind of explains to you through her inner monologue Mm -hmm. what tracker jackers are and like what their venom does. Yes. Whereas in the movie, they have Caesar and his co-guy when she sees him be all like, oh, and then he, he, it's so funny because you almost like feel like you're a person watching a TV show that's really happening when he's all like, for those viewers who may not be familiar with the tracker jacker and he like explains it. Mm -hmm. So... I, I thought at, at times they did a very good job with that. Yeah. But then at other times it was kind of like, is this even how it happened? Well, and again. I no, because in the book it didn't exist. They <laughs> like, had to make stuff up. And one con, I will say, to the way that they decided to do it is you are, like you said, you are a spectator. You're just watching it all unfold. Whereas when I read the book, I was in the Hunger Games with Katniss. Mm -hmm. I was in it. It was, there were moments where I was like, oh yeah, this is kind of (laughs) freaky. Yeah, oh for sure. Which we'll talk about later. I'll get into some of that, yeah. (laughs) But I just wish that we had been able to, that they had found a way in the movie to pull the audience into the Hunger Games more and bring you along with Katniss on this crazy adventure in a more personable way. Compared to just, Mm -hmm. like you said, feeling like you're just watching all of this happening as just a spectator. And so I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in my number three. So (laughs) there we go. Well, one more thing before we switch over to you. Um, I will say that it's more of a like in storytelling, they always talk about show don't tell. You know, that's like a good storytelling device is you show Mm -hmm. what your character is doing. You show it happening rather than just telling it. And I think in the Hunger Games book, Katniss does a lot of telling, you know, like because it's just like you said, her and her monologues go in. And so you just kind of get a lot of information. There are certain large chunks of text where she's just kind of going. Where you kind of um, need it. <laughs> no, but again, it's important because of mm-hmm. the way that it's set up, because it's first person. There's no like they, she can only do so much. She has to tell you somehow how it, what it is. Mm-hmm. Whereas they took the opportunity in the movie with actual visuals to do a lot more showing, a lot more showing. rather than mm-hmm. telling, which is kind of nice from a storytelling perspective. So in the end, I think there's pros and cons to both. But I think that it adds benefit to both reading and watching. I think... Everyone should read the book at least once to get that experience and to really appreciate the Hunger Games, you know, kind of as they are. And then to watch Mm -hmm. the movies and be able to kind of see it all and understand it a little bit better from a more distant perspective. Viewer, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, again, pros and cons to both. And if you haven't read the books or you haven't watched the movie, I would advise you to do so. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um, so my number three is just kind of talking about the speed and motion of events in the movie compared to mm-hmm. the book, um, which I said kind of connects to what you were saying, because I feel like the speed of the movie is really fast. Like it almost goes through things so quickly that you can't really... Process. Appreciate what just happened before the next thing is happening. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, understandably, 
They did a very good job and you can definitely see the effort that they tried to include as much as they could from the book in the movie. But then by doing that, it, it really takes away from the strength of some of the character development and the, the strength of some of the relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like kind of like what you said, where you're reading the book, you feel like you're in the Hunger Games with Katniss. And whereas I feel through the movie, you don't really get to know Katniss that well. And mm-hmm. you you don't get to really know much of the characters that well, you know, like... The two characters you see the most are Katniss and Peeta, but from watching the movie, I still don't feel like I really know them that well from just the movie. It's only because I recently read the book that I, you know, feel like I know who they are as characters and what drives them. Well, and they really cut out a lot of their backstory in oh, the sure. movie as well, which, again, doesn't help that. And, and I think it's because, again, they, they, they were trying their best to include as much as they could. But that speed, you know, you don't see the depth of Katniss and Gail's relationship, mm-hmm. which then I think makes the romance in the next one a little jarring. You know, the mm-hmm. fact that they're all like, well, why are you making it a love triangle now? If you in the book, there's there's specifically when he comes to see her, he gets cut off. The yeah, last he thing almost he says con- to her in the book says, yeah, you, you think he could be confessing like his feelings to her. But mm-hmm. again, it's through Katniss's point of view. So she's not going to admit that outright. Right. Because she could never think that he would see her that way. And also he gets cut off. And but as the reader, you kind of assume that that's probably what it was <laughs> like. Um, so there's you see more depth in their relationship. You see more depth. You understand a bit more the relationship between Katniss and his mom and his mom, huh? And her mom. <laughs> yes. Um, Cause you understand more about Katniss's relationship with her father. You don't see that like mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. <laughs> in the movie. Um, one thing I will say is I do think that there was really good chemistry between Katniss and Prim in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I do see that like big sister, little sister, like bond between um, between them. And I know it's, I mean, like Jennifer, we all know, but I should have gotten the name of the actress who played Prim because Jennifer Lawrence, we all know, plays Katniss. Mm-hmm. Willow Shields plays Primrose. And I think that Which they was very, did a really good job. Very good casting on that, on their part with mm-hmm. Prim. She was perfect. Yeah, Prim was really good. Um, but then going into the games too, just because I think they're trying to move things too quickly, just because they were trying to include as much as they could. Um, the main relationship that's supposed to, you know, it, they're supposed to be in love. Peta and Katniss are supposed to be convincingly in love to the point where the capital doesn't want to kill them when they get back. And I don't see that when I watch the movie. I don't see. And as I just pointed out, the movie is like you're a spectator. So you as a spectator should be convinced because you're not yeah. seeing Katniss's <laughs> inner thoughts. So in the in the in the book, when you read it, you're like, well, yeah, but she doesn't actually like she's just faking it. And I know this because well, I can but read she's her mind entire. <laughs> she, she almost convinces herself, though, even. And that's I mean, it, it, it's a lot more complicated in the book because you get her inner thoughts. But even if you didn't, there's still more scenes, though, even in the book that kind of show 
that they, that they could have very easily included in the movie because the scenes are in the movie. They just didn't did do the them right. Job at them. <laughs> Where from the beginning, you know, they, they, Peta and Katniss, they tease each other in the book. And mm-hmm. it's and so cute. Hey, Mitch has them from the very beginning look like they're a pair. And it's more than just the holding hands on the, on the parade float thing, you know, like it's more than that. It goes beyond that in the book before the games ever begin. And before PETA ever says, you know, in that interview with Caesar that the girl he's had a crush on came with him. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot more believable when in the games they do meet back up that they're actually, there's actual chemistry and romance there. Not to mention that Katniss is not near as awkward as she is in the movie. <laughs> so yes, which I'm going to, rip into but basically the gist of it all is while i commend them for doing their best to try and get as much as they could in the movie by doing so they kind of took away the strength of the characters and the relationships which i think are the most important thing of the story um and then they did some you know classic in my opinion errors that I we talked about back when we did Harry Potter as well where they add things that didn't happen in the book and I don't see how they're important mm-hmm. this movie opens with yeah like the president having a conversation with the game master mm-hmm. and I don't think that that scene was necessary by any means and I think it kind of ruined the opening like the opening scene is like the most important scene Mm-hmm. And so I think it should open with the main character, you know, like start with Katniss. The quiet life in District 12. And yeah, like there's so, so many better ways they could have done that. And there was a couple scenes like that. And like we've talked about before, when you know you only have so much time, you know, like air time, running time, whatever for the film. Every second. Why? is important and and every second needs to count and in my opinion (laughs) some of their choices for what should have what counted that they included i i don't think was the right choice when they could have included these other things that would have made the development and plot move forward with more sense so Mm -hmm. that's my number three yeah no i even wrote in my notes i said While the movie does a good job showing what is happening, the significance of the events is kind of lost in the action. Yes, 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 yes. That's a good, yeah, that's a perfect way to put it. Mm -hmm. I should have just said that. And then my point wouldn't (laughs) have taken eight minutes to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Um, My number two point is um, about the exclusion of certain characters that I think added to the story in the book and I think it would have been really easy to include them in the movie but they decided to take them out um as well as a few you know adjustments to some characters for instance there is a girl in the books named Madge who if she's the mayor's daughter yes if you've only seen the movies you've don't really know who she is, but she's the mayor's daughter and 
Katniss and Gail always sell the mayor strawberries because he's very fond of strawberries. And so when they go to sell him strawberries the day of the reaping or the day before the reaping, um, day of the reaping? It's the day of the reaping. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Madge is there and she's dressed all nice because she's the mayor's daughter and she's in a very pretty dress. And they have like kind of a Gail and her have a bit of a curt exchange because Gail's bitter because she's had a better life than him, essentially. And Not that it's Kat- her fault, which Katniss points out. Which Katniss is like, chill, dude. Um, <laughs> but Katniss and Madge, she's like, I wouldn't say we're friends, but like we've always had like a just kind of a invisible bond where like they were both quiet and they both didn't have a lot of friends. So they just kind of ended up with each other. Mm-hmm. They would always eat together at lunch and they would sit mm-hmm. by each other at like sporting events and assemblies and things like that. Yeah. yeah. So which I, I mean, in the movie, I feel like they kind of like glance over the fact that like they do go to school like they, you know, like that is an aspect of their lives that they mm-hmm. still have. But then after Katniss gets chosen and she's in the building saying her goodbyes. The justice building. Yeah. Madge comes to say goodbye to her. And I know you're going to talk about this. I am. But she's, she, uh, spoiler, she gives her the pin. I won't go too into it, but she's the one that gives her the pin. And they totally excluded that, which I don't know why. I think that Madge was actually, and then Katniss kind of goes, oh, maybe like Madge and I were friends, you know? And like that kind of, she like gets thinking about it. And Madge kind of represents this character who had a better life but not by her own choice and it shows Katniss kind of realizes like later on it takes her a while to figure it out that like they're not the enemy they didn't have any choice in this it's the capital that's like the real enemy you know like it kind of helps her on that process so Madge has a subtle role but still an important one I'd say and then another character slash characters um that are excluded are PETA's parents. Yeah. Who actually play a bigger role in the beginning of the book. I mean, first of all, when they kind of show in the movie, it's like in one of those like well, in weird... the movie you see PETA's mom for like three seconds. And you but see that she's like not angry. the nicest person. But yeah, in the book she straight up like hits him with like he a has like a huge black eye and bruise the next day at school like he she abuses him straight up and she is in the the book too during that scene they're like they're 11 yes or at least katniss is katniss is 11 since they're in the same year at school in the age he would also be 11 or 12 tops you know they should be they should have gotten younger actors to do that actors because if you (laughs) when you see and I know I talked about this also in the Harry Potter series, but age matters when it comes to the impact of like yes. and importance of certain things. You're going to feel a lot worse seeing an 11 year old sitting starving in the freezing rain or an 11 year old getting hit by his mother than like a like somebody who looks like an adult. <laughs> like, yeah. Because they were adults. Let's be real. Yeah, they were, um, I think they were like 19 or 20 when they portrayed. Yes. Yeah. 16 year olds, let alone 11 year olds. <laughs> yeah. 
Anyway, so and then the his dad, on the other hand, though, is very nice and he always buys squirrels from Katniss and Gail. Um, that's what he's particular to. But he only buys the squirrels when his wife's not around. You know, it's just like this fun little thing that you figure out. And then when she's in the Justice Building saying goodbyes, the baker shows up. Peter's his dad, dad yeah. comes and gives her cookies. And wishes her luck and says that he will make sure that Prim doesn't starve and like has a full belly, which is so nice mm-hmm. of him. Which is like they kind of sit in silence, but then it's like right at the end as he's getting up, he just goes like, I'll keep an eye on the girl. Make sure she has something to eat. And it's yeah. like. Which later yeah. on when Katniss is in the games, she's like, at least I can take comfort in the fact that I know Prim is getting some food, you know? Mm hmm. Well, but because Gail also, you know, promises. Yeah. That, like, he so won't she's like, she's being taken stuff. care of, so I don't need to worry if I die. Mm-hmm. Um, and then part of the reason that Peta is a little bitter at Katniss is Peta's mom, when he's when she's saying goodbye to Peta, says, we may have a victor this year. And he, she's talking about Katniss, not her own son. Well, but she doesn't say that outright in the book. That's yeah, she only does. something that Peta says in the movie. No, 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 no. In the book, Peta says that. But it's not, it's not those Peta words says, for word, is it? Peta says. I remembered it being different. No, Peta goes, my mom said we may have a victor. She was talking about you. And Kenneth says, you don't know that. And he said, she said that she's a real fighter. She, not me. Mm, it's okay, a very potent right. moment. I, I remember it. <laughs> remember Reading something else. Yeah, no, it's straight up. She was talking about Katniss for sure, because his mom doesn't really care for him, obviously. No, she's a jerk. (laughs) Yeah. So the admission of the Bakers. I keep saying the Bakers parents, Peta's parents. (laughs) Well, he was named after bread, so. Yes, he was. Um, Something actually that when I was watching the movie, my husband, Derek, he came out and he was like, oh, hey, there's the kid, like Jacob or whatever. And I was like, Peta. And Derek just started laughing. He was like, you're kidding. And I was like, no, did you forget his name was Peta? And he was like, like the bread. <laughs> <laughs> no, it took me the longest time to make the connection that like his dad is a baker and he's named after bread. <laughs> like what are just his brother's of, I mean, names? It's not spelled the same. <laughs> But it is pronounced the same. So, but like, I'm curious what his two older brothers' names are, who we also don't really learn about the fact you know, that Peter has like, two older brothers. Mm-hmm. Neither mm-hmm. one of them is too old to volunteer as tribute, and the other one never just he said just won it. So, another little interesting name, fact. One of them's names probably like Rye. Rye. I was also thinking Rye. <laughs> Uh, that's one that could come across as a name. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Chibata. <laughs> Chibata Malark. Okay. <laughs> Sourdough Malark. No. <laughs> um, and then another couple that aren't full, like, emissions, but, like, weren't talked about at all, were the Avox, who, if you've watched the movies, they're, like, the... I think they made them, like, all in red, like, aren't they, like, all They're redheads? supposed to be all in white, according to the book. I'm but trying to remember. If I'm being honest, I don't remember exactly what they had them wearing. But it's basically, like, the servants. It's the that, servant like, people. serve them their meals and, like, clean up after them and stuff in their apartment in the yeah. capital. 
Which, if you watch the movie, you're like, okay, cool, whatever. In the book, there's some significance to that because they, you learn that Avoxes have their tongues cut out. So they they can't can't talk. talk. And they are traitors to the capital who have been caught and had their tongues, their tongues, tongues Tongues cut cut out. out. Why is that so hard for me to say? (laughs) And And Katniss saw one as she was trying to run away. As, yes. So when Katniss is in the Capitol, you know, in the training building, she sees one and is like, I know you. I recognize you. She plays it off. She can't remember exactly why. And then she finally comes to her and she realizes that when she was hunting with Gale in the forest, they saw this Avox girl and another boy running and she made contact with Katniss and was like, like asking for help and Katniss didn't do anything. And so the boy gets killed and the chick gets turned into an Avox. Um, And they were kids from the Capitol fleeing for some reason. You never know why. But then she's here stuck with her tongue cut out. And Katniss feels super guilty about it. And then finally the Avox girl like kind of like signals to her like you couldn't have done anything. Well, because they finally have like a moment where it's just the two of them. Mm -hmm. When the girl is helping Katniss after Katniss, you know, like broke a bunch of stuff because she was angry. Um, Yeah. She comes in and she like helps her clean everything up. And during that moment when it's just the two of them, Katniss feels like it's safe for her to say something. And in the, and then she like tucks her in and stuff and it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't learn about any of that. But I guess they just didn't think it was an important enough detail. But it does add, I think, to the intensity horrors. of what the Capitol has done. <laughs> yeah, the horrors of the Capitol. The that lie under all the pretty torture, colors. Which I'm going to get to. <laughs> Um, and then the only other thing I'll say on that point with character elimination slash adjustments with the tributes, some of them were very well cast like Rue. I think they did an amazing job with Rue. She's so freaking cute and so precious. But then the only problem is it's. Katniss is supposed to be one of the smallest tributes compared to everyone else. Like the people from District 1, 2, and 3 are supposed to be like huge. Like even the chicks. Rue was paid, played by Amanda Stenberg. She did a great job. Sorry. <laughs> names. Yeah. But like, um, for instance, Clove from District 2 in the movie is quite small. They cast them on quite small. And so when Katniss is fighting her, and Katniss can't seem to kick her off. It seems a bit more unrealistic. Whereas in the book, Clove is bigger than her. So obviously mm-hmm. she can't push her off because she's bigger. So I think it's interesting that they like kept it the same, even though the body proportions were different. And they were just like, yeah. it is what it is. <laughs> so, but I think, you know, they did their best. And some of the casting was amazingly well done. As we already talked about, Caesar Flickerman. I mean, they... He does a phenomenal job. I love Stanley oh, yeah. Tucci. So funny. Um, and then like Cinna. Cinna. So good. So perfect. He does an amazing job. Great delivery. Um, Elizabeth Banks as Effie Trinket. <laughs> she mm-hmm. owned that role, honestly. She did great. 
And so, I mean, they did a good job with the casting of all the side characters. And I think um, that Donald Sutherland, despite the fact that whenever I see him, all I can think about is um, Mr. Bennett from the 2005 Pride and Prejudice movie. (laughs) He did. He was the president. He's the president. What? Yeah. (laughs) He's president. Oh, my goodness. He is. I forgot he was in Pride and Prejudice. (laughs) So because Pride and Prejudice is like my favorite book and I love watching both, you know, the 2005 movie adaptation and the BBC miniseries. Like, I just love everything Pride and Prejudice. When I see him, all I can think about is Elizabeth Bennett's father. But he also does a really good job as President Snow. (laughs) Yes, he does. And the guy with the beard. I can't remember his name right now. But that epic. Yes. The Game Master? The Game Master. Yeah, except for the fact that in the book, the Game Master's name is not Seneca Crane. I don't know why they changed the Game Master's name. Probably because it was so hard to say. It's a very long name in the book. it's a weird name. So they probably wanted something shorter and easier to remember, even though I still couldn't remember it. But his beard is dope. (laughs) I will give you that. With the flames. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty cool. Thing, yeah. Um... But yeah, I have gone on too long about that. But yeah, I just think I'm not going to say they were bad choices. I'm going to say they were interesting decisions. Interesting decisions. (laughs) Yes. So that's my number two. Well, and then you mentioned, right, something that is my number two, which is the significance of the Mockingjay pen. Um, So in the movie Katniss finds the Mockingjay pin when she's at the hob and then gives it to Prim before the reaping and then Prim gives it back to her when they're you know saying their final goodbyes in the justice building yes and while that's still sweet and cute or whatever because in the in the movie, you know, she says, like, this is to your lucky you charm. If you have this, like, nothing bad can happen to you kind of thing. That's what she says to Prim. So then when Prim gives it back to her, same thing. Um, in the book, like you mentioned, it's actually Madge that gives it to her. And it was something that Madge was originally wearing to the reaping that she then gives to Katniss. And she even tells Katniss, she's like, you're allowed to wear or bring one thing with you from your district into the arena. Mm -hmm. Will you, will this be your thing? Kind of. And, and she's like, and she pins it to Katniss's like dress. Katniss is just kind of like, okay. Uh Uh-huh. Well, cause she's a little bit in shock. Right. (laughs) Um, But then later you learn a little bit more why that pin is so important. So then later on, She's studying the pin more and she realizes because at first when she glanced at it, she just thought it was a bird. But then the closer she looked at it, she realized it was a mockingjay. And she learns about how, well, she doesn't learn, but she explains in the book, right, what mockingjays are and why they're kind of funny because they were originally, you know, a mutation by the um, capital to basically spy and get information on the districts during the war. But once the districts figured it out, they then used the mocking Jays to basically just send lies and stuff back to the Capitol. 
and and they were called jabber jays, not mocking jays. And these yes. jabber jays, they were, were only males. males. They were only males. And basically, when the capital realized that it was a failed experiment, they basically just left them out to die off. Except they didn't, because then they breeded with female mockingbirds, which created mocking jays, which couldn't, you know, um, mimic and imitate a person's voice exactly like a jabberjay could. But like you see in the movie, they can still repeat back like entire songs if they like you enough to sit and listen, which is important because they always would stop and listen to her father. And whenever she would go out in the woods with her dad, he would sing, he would whistle, he would do all these things and all of the birds would stop singing to listen to her dad. And then all of the mocking jays would repeat back. Hold on. Sorry. That just made me remember something. The PETA's dad was in love with yeah. Katniss's mom. <laughs> I was going to get to that. <laughs> just remembered that. So then she has this pin as a not only like a, you know, symbol of her district, but she's. She's constantly she's reminded of her father by it because mm -hmm. the pin is a she realizes a mockingjay and mockingjay's reminder of her dad. And you get a deeper right. You don't get this in the movie, but in the book, you really see how important the relationship with Katniss's father is. And they try in the movie a little bit with some of the flashbacks and stuff mm, to kind of show the, the impact of it. But you don't. Again, because they, they had to go through it so quickly, you don't really feel the full impact, I don't think. Um, well, you don't realize that like, Katniss used to sing, too. Katniss is supposed to have a very beautiful voice. Exactly. So then we learn when they're in the cave. Again, you don't get any of this in the movie. You just get awkward Peta Katniss. But in the mm -hmm. book, it's not awkward. And Peta doesn't just, like, start talking about why he likes Katniss. And Katniss isn't trying to shush him the whole time. In the book, she asks him, she's like, you said you had a crush on me for forever. So when does forever start? <laughs> like, like, you know, flirtingly, jokingly. And he talks trying about to get how, that sponsor money. Mm -hmm, <laughs> get, that sponsor, get that broth. OK, instead of get that bread, get that broth. No. Um, also bread. They wanted bread, too. Yes. Anything. <laughs> Literally any food. Any food and medicine. But um, you learn then in the book that. PETA, like when, like their first day of school or whatever, when they were like five, his dad pointed at her mom and was like, I was going to marry that girl, but she left me for some minor. And PETA was like, how could anybody not want you, dad? And he explained to PETA about her dad singing and how it's like, because when he sang, all the birds would stop to listen. Mm -hmm. And then PETA. It was a very poetic moment. It was. <laughs> And it talks about and then he mentions how and you, you do get this a little bit in the movie where he, he does mention like our teacher asked if anybody knew the Valley song and your hand shot straight up. And he does say that. But then he also says in the book that when she sang, all the birds stopped to listen. And mm -hmm. he says how he knew right then that he was, you know, like destined or cursed or whatever to love her or was lost that's what it was like that his heart was lost and he would love her the same way that his dad loved his mom her mom or whatever um yeah but you do you get that connection of 
Katniss with the Mockingjay and her dad with the Mockingjay and Katniss with her dad. And well, and that's also why it it's a big the deal during Rue's death. A yes. lot more important when you realize that like Katniss is supposed to have a brilliant voice as well. But mm-hmm. since her dad's death has like refused to sing because it reminds her too much of him. Mm-hmm. And it's just a lot of nuanced stuff that you just don't get in the movie. So that's like a little sad, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And it just adds to again, right? Like. I want to know when I'm reading a book, when I'm watching a movie, I want to know what drives a character to do the things they do or behave the way they do. And the pin starts a lot of that. The Mockingjay becomes a freaking symbol throughout this entire Mm -hmm. series. And I feel like they really kind of dropped the ball in the very first movie with really explaining that personal connection to Katniss. So, well, and the fact that the Mockingjay is just in general a symbol of rebellion to like mm-hmm. the capital. The capital hates them. They're like, they're. Well, and she uh, was almost not allowed to bring it into the arena because mm-hmm. they debated whether or not it could be used as a weapon. It's not like Cinna like secretly sneaks it and like hides it on her jacket. Like, no, she's allowed to bring it in. (laughs) You also learned that the District 2, I think, had a ring that if you turned it, it like turned into a poisonous dart. A poisonous spike. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And she was like, I had no idea it did that. And they were like, you can't take that. in. (laughs) It was funny. But yeah, no. So. The Mockingjay pin has a lot of significance for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, but that's my number two. So. Very nice. Um, One honorable, honorable mention. I will say really quick. Try to be quick because I don't want to ramble too much. The costuming, while well done, I will say, I think overall it was pretty good as far as costumes go. Which is interesting because the costume designer person for this is Judiana Makovsky, who also was in charge of costumes for the first Harry Potter movie. Which were, was also pretty well done. <laughs> Only the first Harry Potter movie, though. She didn't do the, any of the others. Yes. But she did so. set the stage for the rest. Um, mm-hmm. But I will say, with the descriptions of the Capitol, I think they did a pretty good job of like making all the Capitol people being pretty out With there like, i mean their skin itself being like dyed a different color yeah effie stuff. looks yeah. great like they did a great job oh, with her all the time. Yeah, and the fact Effie's that cinna awesome. like is pretty reserved except for the gold for the eyeliner gold. Mm-hmm. um and all of that but i think they should have gone more all out with the parade outfits and with the inner dress outfits. her yes. dress was described so distinctly in the book and i yes, was like so you i could recreate that dress if i wanted to it's so well described and they and didn't do it <laughs> it's not like breathtaking and 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 part of it too is like i guess you know watching it now and what the movie came out like 10 years ago that back mm-hmm. then maybe the cgi was like top notch and believable and maybe it's just cuz it's now but like the fire coming out of the bottom of her dress during that scene when she was spinning looked laughable. Well, that's also not a thing. <laughs> There's not supposed to be any fire coming out of her dress. <laughs> like first of all, in the parade they are set on fire. They're supposed mm-hmm. to be in just latex bodysuits 
And then with capes that are set with on fire. capes that are set on fire and headdresses too that get set mm-hmm. on fire, which makes their and they do very minimal makeup and then it just makes them glow and it's mm-hmm. like totally epic. And I wish we could have seen that a little bit. And then in the you know interviews, it's supposed to be like essentially made of all these gems that glow and there's like a fire pattern in it, mm-hmm. but it's not actual fire. It's just like a fire pattern. So when she twirls, it looks like fire, but there's no real fire, you know? And it's supposed to be very epic. And not just Katniss, though. PETA as well should have been Mm -hmm. played up a bit more. Um, All the other tributes. I mean, I get like with like Glimmer, for instance, they put her in like a pink poofy dress because Mm -hmm. they didn't want to have like a naked chick. (laughs) Which I get. <laughs> that was, you know, a smart move. Um, you know, but that was smart. I definitely think that they could have gone more ham on the costumes because that's like the point of those costumes is for them to be like all out craziness. Yeah. But one change I did like was, um, well, I both did and did it. The training outfits are pretty dope looking and the arena outfit was pretty well done. Mm hmm. But the thing with the training outfits is all of them are supposed to be dressed differently, except for PETA and Katniss are supposed to be dressed the same, which is like a big, bold statement that they're always, you know, like from what we mentioned earlier. Yeah, they're always dressed the same. They're always together, all that kind of stuff. And you don't get that in the movies because they totally changed everyone to be the same. So that's my honorable mention. I'm going to stop talking. So my honorable mention I've got a couple, but one that I think is good or a couple that I think are good is I think the entire Tracker Jacker scene in the movie was just done really, really well. Mm. Almost cut and paste from the book, mm-hmm. except for the explanation from the commentators. But again, I think that that fits in as a perfect way to kind of explain what Tracker Jackers are. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the things that... And then another one is just, again, like, I love Rue. Mm-hmm. She did a phenomenal job. And I still cried when Rue died in the movie. <laughs> like, I think they did do a good job there. And I think um, Jennifer Lawrence did a good job as Katniss there with her emotion and kind of the the shock, the panic, the anger, the sadness, and, like, just full range of emotion and everything there. Mm -hmm. I think she did a good job. So I cried there. Um, A couple things that, so one of the things that really bothered me and it shouldn't have bothered me this much because it's such a small thing, but Prim's cat buttercup is the completely wrong color. They use a black cat. Oh, (laughs) that's funny. And in the book, it explains that Prim named him Buttercup because she she thinks that his coat is the same color as Buttercup's. <laughs> but it's not. It's whereas, like this gross yellowish. Whereas Katniss is like, no, it's more of a muddy yellow. But mm-hmm. either way, it's a muddy yellow, not black. <laughs> yeah, that's that is funny. That, such, I'm like, like, you, could you, you bothered to found? put the cat in? <laughs> just use. The, exactly. You bothered to put the cat in. Make it this right color. Like you could have used the same cat that they use for Crookshanks. That would have been a better fit. A mangy, ugly looking, muddy, orangey, yellow cat. Anyway. Yeah. I thought that was funny. 
That and is, yeah, I thought that it was an funny interesting that it one. bothered me as much as it did. Yes. Um, then the other thing is the movie starts with this text on screen explaining kind of like what the Hunger Games are. And at first I was like, okay, cool. This is a really quick way to do that. Get it out of the way to save on time later. Except then at the reaping, they basically explain all of it again with a video Mm -hmm. that presentation that they make everybody watch and that goes back to my pet peeve of like why are you using your screen time the way you're using it yeah why did you waste our time again that was a waste of time that you could have included something else in um no so those are my honorable mentions but fair enough numero uno all right so similarly to Harry Potter, I want to talk about the big three main characters, (laughs) (laughs) plus a bonus fourth character in Haymitch. So let's start with Katniss, the main character. And Jennifer Lawrence, I think, does a good job with what is given to her. I think with what she was given direction wise and lines wise and all of that. And costuming-wise, she did her best, and I think she's a good Katniss. The flaws I find with that casting decision is I think she looks too healthy, which I know is, like, a weird thing to say. (laughs) But Katniss is supposed to be very small and... And skinny. Skinny, because she hasn't ever really had, like, a full... Meal, meal, you know, <laughs> like she even like, talks about how when she gets on the train, like it would probably do her some good to put on a few pounds before the game starts. Yeah, like, <laughs> like she's supposed to be, and she's supposed to be tiny, you know, compared to all the others. She's like this underdog in the fact that she doesn't look like she would make it, you know, which is all the more shocking when she gets that score, right? When she gets, yes. that's just another reason why everybody is so shocked. Like, what did she do? To get, to get that an score. Mm-hmm. Um, and then not only that, I mean, so that's like a physical thing. But they made her so blah. And I don't blame yeah. Jennifer Lawrence for this because it's an actor is only as good as the direction they're given from the director. The director and has as the good vision. As the script they're given. Like. Yes. So I'm like, I don't falter because I've seen Jennifer Lawrence do great acting in other movies. So I know she's capable of it. Mm-hmm. But, for instance, uh, as one example, um, when she's in the parade, she doesn't just, like, look around in this serious face, like, what the, what, what? <laughs> she looks so, like, confused. Uh-huh. And just, like, shocked all the time. And, like, kind of, like, And it doesn't make putting, sense. It's not good. Yeah. Whereas in the book, she's, like, hamming it up. She's blowing kisses. She, she follows PETA's lead smiling waving at the people everyone freaking loves her and Peter. she's blowing them kisses they're crying <laughs> out their names they're like so obsessed with them and their outfits and how like charming they are and then in the interview with caesar she like is she like giggles at one point and she does like the twirl and she's all like laughing about it she's not just like uh. <laughs> Yeah, they they make her so awkward, mm-hmm. which I mentioned earlier, right? One and 
And they take out a lot of, and this is when I say like the script, it's partially the script's fault, the screenwriter's fault, which is why, not the screenwriter's, the screenplay's fault, which is why I'm surprised because again, Suzanne Collins was included in this. Yes. They, like, why couldn't they, at least in the scenes they kept, kept the same dialogue? Because the dialogue Mm -hmm. in the book, there's a little bit of humor. There's a little bit of flirtatiousness. Yes. and stuff, you know, not only between her and Peta, but like her and Gail in the movie. It's so serious in the book. It's the one place that they can kind of be themselves and joke around and make fun yeah. of the capital. And they laugh and they have a better relationship. And then yeah. like the one part that I you kind of see a glimpse of Katniss's like kind of more sassy side is when she's in doing her like shooting thing and then she shoots the apple and then she does her cheesy little bow and it's like thank you for your consideration and Mm -hmm. I was like there she is there's the Katniss from the book well (laughs) you see it a little bit too where when she teases Prim in the beginning Mm -hmm. yeah but it's just like small little things and then supposed to be that throughout the entire thing and then yeah. she's supposed to have this very comforting, fun relationship with Gail. With Haymitz, it's like this constant back and forth banter of like, they're so similar. They butt heads, like, yeah. Butt heads. With Peta, it's supposed to be this like confusing, complicated, like, do I trust him? Do I not trust him? He's so nice, but is it a trick? Like, so complex. And because in the Peta movie, isn't always oh. super nice. He can no, and it in the That's book quite a few times when he gets angry or serious about something, like he snaps, like he does it, like mm-hmm. you, you can see he has a plan, and he hasn't just resigned himself to dying. Kind of thing. No. Um. So yeah, with Katniss again, I mean, it, like she did the best with what she was given, but I really wish we had gotten to see more of her backstory. About, like, why she's so good at hunting and gathering that, like, her father taught her. And so she remembers those things. And she remembers stuff from her mom, too. And, like, she remembers the healing stuff from what her Mm -hmm. mom would do when people would come to her mom. Because her mom's like an apothecary. Yeah. And so you didn't get a lot of that. (laughs) So you're just kind of like, I guess she's just, like, good at this stuff. And you just have to accept it in the movie. Yeah. So that's Katniss. I'm trying to get through these quickly, so I don't take up too much time. Um, Haymitch, I'm actually going to talk about Haymitch next. I think Haymitch in the movie is great. I think he does a great job. And I really like Haymitch. I really like Woody Harrelson as Haymitch. I think he does a really good job. My problem is the script kind of totally changed their relationship. And it, it bugged me. I didn't like it as much. I really liked the relationship they had in the book. The mm. fact that at first he was so drunk, like you couldn't even have a coherent conversation with him. And like he falls off the stage at the reaping because he's so drunk yeah, they, and he kind of becomes a joke. don't meet him or see him until the train in the movie. Yeah. And then when you do see him on the train, he's like already going like talking with PETA coherently about like stuff in the games. Like, no, no they have to convince him. <laughs> <laughs> he falls in his own puke. Peta like washes him up. And then the next day they're like, okay, you need to shape up and help us survive. And then he like sizes him up a little bit. And he's like, all right, maybe you're not hopeless. I'll make you a deal. 
I'll like you leave me alone about the alcohol and I'll stay sober enough to help you through these games. And they're like, all right, I'll take it. (laughs) And then he kind of starts to step up and you see this like kind of him building up to helping. And there's like that part where Katniss realizes like, no wonder he's a drunk. He gets these two kids every year that he's supposed to help survive. And he's watched them die every Mm -hmm. single year. Like, yeah, no wonder he's a drunk. He his life is so sad. But then on top of that, you never see this or learn this in the movie, but they do go into it a little bit on how he won his games. Mm hmm. And he just outsmarted everyone. But like it was still brutal. And Mm -hmm. he probably still has nightmares and PTSD from that, which also fuels doesn't help. (laughs) Um, And then. The way that, like, his relationship with PETA is kind of, he is just kind of guiding PETA very gently because PETA's kind of already got it down. Whereas with Katniss, he's like, all right, honey, like, or he calls her sweetheart. He calls her sweetheart, which is then funny because then PETA will, like, mimic him to to, to tease her. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. be like, he doesn't just, like, grab her ankle to show no. she's looking for him and she hears like come to finish me off sweetheart and she like looks around and she can't find him but she knows it's Peta. again mm-hmm. it's just the movie just took away like any yes. any hint of humor and or then personality again, because it's not from Katniss's point of view you don't get that Katniss is essentially reading Hamish's mind when she gets the parachutes, she's like, oh, OK, he sent me this because this happened or he didn't send me a parachute because I must be close to water. So I'm going to go find the water because he hasn't sent me a parachute yet. Or, oh, I kissed him. I got a parachute. He wants to see more of that. No, in oh, the we movie, had a, they include notes in notes. the parachute. There's no notes in the parachute. Yeah. <laughs> but I get why they had to do it because we're not getting Katniss's inner monologues. We can't see mm-hmm. her figuring it out. But I wish we could because I think it adds so much depth that Katniss isn't being like told what to do the whole time. She's figuring She's it out. Figuring it out and having these like silent conversations because her and Hamish are quite alike. Mm-hmm. And so I wish that we could have seen that more. Moving on. Um, <laughs> PETA, I love Josh Hutcherson, but Same. he was the wrong choice. I've said it. He's too it. small. He's a tiny little boy. <laughs> He's like, smaller than and I know, Katniss. Again, that's not something that, you know, they have control over. Like, we talked about the same thing with Daniel Radcliffe. They didn't know he was going to stop growing. But, like... But when you cast a Peter 19-year-old, to be he's this, not like, going to grow. <laughs> he's tall. And they, he, they despi- like, specifically talk about his, his broad shoulders. And he's, he's physically, like, visibly strong. Like, you can see his muscles. He grew up in a part of the district that he's not starving (laughs) he's supposed like nestle up into him you know so he's big and she's tiny and no like jennifer lawrence is bigger than josh hutcherson (laughs) like she's taller than him which is sad because i think it really did a disservice to peta's character and so many people don't think peta's a good choice for katniss because they've only seen the movies and they're like look at him he's tiny and pathetic (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't say tiny and pathetic, but he is tiny. He's compared smaller to Liam than he should have been. <laughs> and then, yeah, exactly. Then you compare him to a Liam Hemsworth Gale, and there's just like there's no competition. It's not a Sorry, fair Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm gonna go into a second with Gale, but not that Josh still isn't cute because I've always thought 
Like he's very cute. <laughs> and like but Bridge to Terabithia cute. and all those other movies when I was like little and he was also little, I always thought he was cute. But However, he's too cute. He's too cute to be PETA. He's too PETA's supposed too to have small. a manly I'm side. Sorry. He's like, too small. And then the problem is they made to have him a deep voice and he's supposed to be wimpy. big and strong and he not only did they cast a smaller character the drink out of his drink uh, out of Hamish's hand he doesn't try to and then get stopped by a foot what no that that, part, that was weird <laughs> that was so <But> weird <laughs> essentially they wrote him as being weaker and not having this plan in his head you don't see the fact that he's got it all worked out he's like mm-hmm. he kind of like coaches Katniss along to be like okay when they're sitting at the table he's like okay laugh like I said something funny and then they laugh and he's like all right your turn to talk and I'll pretend like I'm really interested like he is on he's got top it down. of it and then when he's in front of the people for the interview he's super charismatic everyone loves him he's working the crowd like he owns it mm-hmm. like he is and smart. I do think that Josh does a good job with the care like the charisma like I think he's he's got, you know, aspects of PETA's personality down. Mm-hmm. But the script took a lot of that away, right? Again, yes. they, if they had just kept some of the dialogue from the book, it would have helped a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, unfortunately, his size and appearance is just not as intimidating as PETA's is in the book. Yeah. And then in the, uh, the final thing I'll say about PETA is... You don't get to see Katniss and Peta's relationship grow Grow. through the book. Like, well, in the movie that you do in the book, like Katniss really wants to trust him half the time. But then she's so worried that like that he's just tricking her and this is all a lie. And so it's hard because Peta the entire time is being genuine. Katniss never realizes that. She can't trust it. Yeah. He's playing a game the whole time. So in the end... When they're, like, going back to the district and she's like, well, you know, this whole, like, charade that we've been doing. She doesn't say it just like that. But essentially, and he's like. Well, but in the movie, they do include the, well, what goes on now? And Peter's like, well, what happens now? And Katniss goes, well, we try to forget. And Peter goes, I don't want to forget. That's how they do it in the movie. Which the isn't book, as well done. More than that. It's, mm-hmm. I don't like that as much. Because he's essentially innocent to the whole thing. And he goes, what act? And he's like, oh, you were faking that entire time. And he had no idea. And he feels super betrayed by the whole thing because he's like, no, I genuinely am in love with you. And she's like, I'm sorry, what? Well, and then <laughs> she's like, well, I wasn't faking all of it. And he's like, OK. <laughs> he's like, yeah, sure, whatever. And so then he feels betrayed. And so then there's like that tension that they kind of end on. So when you go mm-hmm. into the second one, you're like, oh, what's going to happen? And so, you know, I just feel like you don't really get that back and forth in their relationship. Not to mention the scenes in the cave are garbage in the movie. They're garbage. They're so and then awkward. they don't include a lot of the conversations that they have during the training sessions and on the roof mm-hmm. at night when they can't sleep and after so dinner. So you just don't and, get to know, see like, it. So when people say that they don't understand why she ended up with PETA, which I'm sure I'll get into in the last episode of this as well. I'll talk about it a bit more. But when people don't understand why she ended up with PETA, I always ask them, like, did you read the books or did you just watch the movies? And a lot of times they just watch the movies. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. that's why. Because if you read the books, you don't want her to be with Gail either. (laughs) 
for reasons I'll get into later. But yeah, I don't know. I've always had a soft spot for Gail, even before I watched the movie and they cast Liam Hemsworth. So <laughs> I couldn't get over the thing that he did in the last one, which I don't want to spoil. We'll talk about it. We'll get there. <laughs> but finally, to talk about Gail. One, they cast freaking Liam Hemsworth, which was unfair because <laughs> Peanut never stood a chance. <laughs> well, but also, and this is something about Katniss, too. They kind of specifically talk about the fact that Gail and Katniss both have darker skin. They're not, yes. like, black. They're not, like, and Rude. they did cast, you know, the people from District 11 who were supposed to be black, like, as black. Mm-hmm. But Katniss and... And Gail are supposed to have, like, a darker, like, olive skin tone, like, naturally. And dark, like, black hair. And dark. So th- you w- you could think that they, you know, could have come from some sort of, like, Latin descent or something. Mm-hmm. And instead, they're both white. They're just yes. both white. <laughs> but then the other thing with Gail is, they. I mean, they don't give him a lot of screen time, to be fair. So you don't really get to know much about him. You're just but like, yeah, that's the screen the hot time dude. that they include him with... <laughs> Again, they don't give him his original, like, dialogue and No, and, and they don't show this rebellious, like, fire inside of him. He like, is from the get-go, <laughs> he is, hates the Capitol, and he's like, I want to take him down in any way, shape, or form possible. Like, he hates them so much. And you mm-hmm. see that with, like, his interaction with Marge, with being, like, angry at her, even though it's not really her fault. But he's just so mad. Sorry. <laughs> Close enough. Um, He's just like so angry. And that plays into the later books so much. And so when When he's like ready to join the rebellion right away, he's on top of it. And and he makes some questionable decisions, which we'll get into. So I might be remembering some things incorrectly, but we can talk. We'll talk after we finish the podcast. (laughs) Um, But I just wish that they had shown it and set it up better for later books. I mean, later movies, because mm-hmm. when you do see him later on in the future movies, you're just kind of like, oh, yeah, this guy. <laughs> so, yes, I those are my those are my uh, grievances. I will stop talking now because I could go on about this for way longer, but we've already gone on for too long. So I'm I'm done. What's yours? <laughs> OK, so my number one is kind of just the lack of showing the psychological like torture and psychological warfare for lack of a better way of describing it stuff in the book yeah so i'm gonna talk about i've got a couple i've got a couple things that really stuck out to me so then the first one might be a little bit surprising but let me just explain my thoughts so the first thing is the reaping scene itself Hmm. so in the book She describes that the square is the only part of District 12 that looks nice. Mm -hmm. And especially during this time when, like, people from the Capitol are coming in, it is fully decked out and it basically looks like there's a holiday going on. Now, think about that in the context of what is happening. And it's extremely jarring. Mm-hmm. Like, think about what, like, downtown cities and towns look like, like, during the holidays. You know, that they were just happening. Like, we're in the midst of it right now with lights and wreaths and decorations and bright colors. 
The movie doesn't show anything bright or happy in District 12 ever. And yes. I agree with that decision when they are like in the hob or at their house and in the seam. But when they're in that square, when they're in downtown, that's the only spot it's supposed to look different. Mm-hmm. And when and if they had made, I just think it would have made it that much more jarring and would have shown truly just how twisted and messed up this thought process is of the Capitol. That it mm-hmm. is fully decked out as if they were celebrating Christmas or New Year's. Like it's a celebration to it's do a the celebration reaping. to the Capitol. It's a celebration. It's their favorite time of year. Mm-hmm. And they're literally picking children to send to be slaughtered. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just. Again, it's that psychological aspect and that that's in the book. And not to mention that another thing in the reaping scene that I wish they had included is Katniss doesn't get stopped by peacekeepers. No, that, that's not a thing. kind of falls a little bit. She doesn't realize that she, until like the people around her kind of catch her and push her back up. I do think her like kind of strangled sounding cry of prim was perfect. Like that oh, was almost yeah, perfect that was, to what was in the book. Oh. But she doesn't get stopped by peacekeepers. She runs up and puts prim behind her. And I think that Prim's imagery, like at the stage too. Mm-hmm. I think that the imagery of her literally pulling Prim behind her and like standing in front of her with her arms out in that like guardian protection stance. I I just feel like that imagery is really powerful. Well, and then Prim thinking about what it what's all happening and what the square is supposed to look like. And then the the strangled, painful, anguishing sounds of what's it's just. Prim is supposed to hug her from behind and Gail has to come and pull Prim off of her. Which well, kind of happens in the movie, but not kinda, as well yeah. as it does in the book. Yeah. And then Katniss is like trying to stay focused and like not cry because she doesn't want the people watching because this is being to broadcast. To see her cry. Mm-hmm. To see her as weak because, because she knows that's dangerous. It's a bunch of bright colors and bright lights and it's it's very overwhelming. Think about how... For someone who isn't used to all of that, just how overstimulated she would be in that moment. Well, and even when they get to the Capitol, she says how overwhelming it is because everything's so artificially colored. Like it, it looks artificial to her because it, there's just too much color. The greens mm-hmm. are too green. It's too pink. The yellow is blinding. Like, yeah. Um, and yeah, so that's that's something that I think. Is it, 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 it seems like a small thing, but I don't know, at least to me, when you really think about it, that it's extremely jarring and twisted and, and showing that accurately would have kind of shown a little bit of just the psychological what is happening, especially because they then force everybody in the districts to be there, be present at the reaping, to watch the games, to be a part of it as, but like, they're the ones losing children. It's not a celebration mm-hmm. to them, but they're forced to be there where it looks like a celebration like yeah anyway so that's that's my first example and i could go into a bunch of examples kind of throughout um i think the avox thing is also another one mm-hmm. that we kind of already talked about um but the the last one that i'll the the second one and the last one that i'll talk about is the mutts at the end of the games which are yeah creepy looking I guess like they're a little like they're, they're they don't look like any natural occurring animal right um, in the movie. However, in the book, 
each there's each mutt looks distinctly like a fallen <sighs> tribute. Like their eyes are straight up like, the same. But but like their eyes, like their eyes are the tribute eyes. Like they there's even and each one has a collar with the number. With the number, with their district. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's like, ugh. and and Peta and, and Katniss ugh. even have dialogue where it's like, what did they do to them? Are those their actual eyes? Like, did they actually, like, how much of the tributes are actually in these mutations? Well, like, and in these months? Katniss has this thought process where she's like, I'm less worried about the eyes. I'm worried about their brains. Do they know what's going on? Are they like specifically seeking us out because we survived and they didn't? Like, what the like, heck? Do they, how much? How many memories? Like, do they have their brains? Yeah, and it's extremely Ugh. creepy and extremely mm -hmm. unsettling. Every and time I read it, like I hate they aren't it. Photocopies Ugh. of each other. Their fur matches the hair color and like skin tone the texture of the tribute that they were the, like again the eyes are curly hair replicas yeah and it's just oh that's something that exactly yeah like the even the first time i read the book every time i read the book it sticks out to me and gives me like the literal chills and like freaks me out so much mm -hmm. and again it's that psychological component like yeah you could just have some crazy mutation mutt thing chase them down and and try to kill them but no Let's make them look like their fallen tributes, including some that they made bonds with, like Rue. You know, like it's. Yes, it's so messed up. The psychological torture that that mm -hmm. is. And and in the book, Katniss like drops an arrow and literally screams when she realizes what it is about the these mutts that were that was so unsettling to her. She catches the number one on the collar and then looks at the eyes and she screams and Peta's like, whoa, what? And she's like, it's glimmer. It, it, it's glimmer. That's glimmer. And she's like panicking about it. Yeah. And it's just completely different in the book than it is in the movie. Um, and it's just it just goes to show just the lengths that the Capitol goes, just how cruel and evil and, and just so corrupt. Um which is, you know, the underlying story and message of this book series, right? Which is, you know, like absolute power, absolute corruption, like absolute power, absolute power corrupts, power corrupts absolutely. absolutely. That's the, that's what I'm looking yeah. for. <laughs> um, and 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 yeah. So that's that's my number one. Not going to go into it more than that, but yeah. It's ugh, still a very enjoyable movie. It's not like I didn't parts. enjoy it because I did. But yeah, there's no. Yeah, it was a, it was a good a watch. And like I'm excited because it has been a while since I've seen these. And when I was watching it, I forgot how good it was because the last time I saw them was like. I'll share. We can post this on social media on on our Instagram and stuff, but. When this this movie, the first one came out when I was a senior in high school and my best friend and I, her name's Haley, we were obsessed with these books. We were so excited for the movie to come out and there were no like Hunger Games merch available at the time. I bet there is now to buy so that we literally well, like I, I did. I went into Adobe InDesign and I designed 
a, a t-shirt and I screen printed one for her and one for me. And we wore my own custom made shirts to the opening night. So excited. And we were so disappointed. <laughs> and I think I've just held on to that disappointment for so long that this time around, I was actually pleasantly surprised that like, it's actually not that bad. Like I do enjoy it. It is a good movie. Um, mm -hmm. But I had just been like avoiding it for so long because my initial reaction was that of no. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I dressed as Katniss for Halloween one year. Like I really mm -hmm. liked Katniss as a character when it first came out and I really liked the movie and the books and everything. But I mean, it's definitely interesting from an older perspective to reread them and yeah. think about how these are like, you know, children and teenagers going through this and you're like oh yeah that would be rough all those hormones yeah. going on <laughs> and then I feel like I'm a bit more like sympathetic for what's going on and like how dramatic the like love triangle is because I'm like mm -hmm. have you ever met teenagers like <laughs> it's real <laughs> it's a thing those hormones man mm-hmm okay well um we're running short on time, so we'll go into our fan faux pas. We do have a couple yes. for this one. Um, so I'll start. So we've got one from Chantel L. And she says, the books had so much more to offer than the movies. Plus, the characters are described so much better in the book. Though the movies are good, I enjoy the books so much more and they were even better. Amen. <laughs> Which is the entire point of our podcast. So we agree. <laughs> But like, yeah, while the movie was good, you get so much more about the characters by reading the book. So if you haven't well, it's read like the book, I said, the yeah, if you haven't read them, definitely read them at least and once. They're not super long reads. Like no, the I read it in a day. Books are. Yeah, they're, I read really, it all in they, a day. they're not long, though. Like most book series, by the third book, the third book, I think, is the longest. But it's still like shorter than the Harry Potter. one. But they're still significantly shorter than like. Aragon books or Harry mm, Potter oh, books and oh. stuff. So I'm not excited. Aragon, the Inheritance series, those books oh. are so long. But. Thank goodness they only made one movie, so I only have to do one episode. I have to talk about <laughs> one. <laughs> Anyways, um, we have another one from uh, Yo Yolanda. Yolanda V, um, who says. How in the movies they downplayed Snow when in the book he is a major character. And she's also said, also, Peta's leg is amputated in the book, but in the movie he never loses it. And I totally forgot about that until I reread the book. And then I was like, yeah, it's true. Because he, a mutt, bites his leg at the end there. And, and so he's already he, injured, right? <laughs> and so he is losing all this blood. And she does a tourniquet on his leg to try to save it. And I mean, it does save his life, but they do end up having to amputate his leg. And he has like a an amputee leg on there and a prosthetic yeah. leg. That's the word. And Katniss feels like Granted, so bad about it. medicine at that time is better. So yeah. prosthetic leg then is different but than it now. it is interesting that they like didn't include that. It's like a robotic kind of leg, but... <laughs> It's interesting because then when you get into the second one and you think about the fact that he goes back into the games, mm -hmm. he's got a prosthetic leg, guys. <laughs> yeah. So that is interesting. Um, I'm going to let you read the third one. 
I need yep. to plug in my computer before it dies. Okay, smart. Um, so then our last one for today is by Jaden S. And she said, it moved so quickly that I didn't have time to be upset about Rue. Also, wasn't Katniss supposed to have a dress that was all jewels? I was so yes. excited to see that in the movie and it was completely different. And yeah, we touched on a couple of those things. Um, so we couldn't agree more. And like I said, I still cried when Rue died, but they do move so quickly that you don't, I think, get the full impact of that relationship. So, yeah. But. Coming back. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, those are the fan faux pas. Um, if you have thoughts about, I mean, clearly not now about this one because we've already recorded it, but um, if you want to share your thoughts about any future um, books and movies that we will do. Um, like we mentioned earlier, social media is the way to share that. Um, and then also we do have an email tbwbpodcast at gmail.com that you can send your thoughts to. Um, and we can include that too. So, yes, but I so think that just leaves one the thing. The ultimate question was the book better. And to be honest, when I yes. went into this, I wasn't sure I was going to say yes because I didn't remember the book that well. <laughs> I didn't remember. But I now was that I denial I've, a little bit, I had some repressed <laughs> memories. <laughs> but now that I've reread it, I mean, I was skeptical at first because, oh my goodness, is it angsty? But it is still better than the movie. <laughs> it I is will still say better. the book was still better. I may change my mind on the later ones, but I will save that opinion for those ones. But as far as the first Hunger Games goes. The book was better. Yes, I agree. Anyway. And with that, uh, join us next time when we will be discussing Catching Fire, the second book in the Hunger Games series. Mm -hmm. So that's in two weeks time. Yep. So that, that's it. That's all we've got. So for there you, you go. Um, be, stay safe and healthy and happy new uh, year. Happy new year again. <laughs> all right. Goodbye. Bye.